Pittsburgh Steelers won their season finale, guaranteeing themselves a winning record for the season and banishing the Cleveland Browns to the bottom of the AFC North standings. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. We're going to talk about the Steelers-Browns game uh, as a game that matters more than just as a win or a loss in the stat column. The significance of this game is something I want to talk about because I think it, it matters. This game is kind of a microcosm of the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think it's important to look at in that context as this season ends. The first half of the show here, I want to I want to do a little fun exercise. Uh, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love breaking down and analyzing the Pittsburgh Steelers. But just as much as that, I love the Browns' dysfunction. And I love just looking at it and enjoying it from that distance. I have some really obnoxious friends and relatives who are Browns fans. I should say they are obnoxious Browns fans. They're not they're not bad outside of that. But we're going we're gonna to have some fun here today. The Steelers and Browns started this season in very different places. The Steelers, in a rebuilding year, we were talking, you know, maybe if everything goes right, the offensive line gels, Kenny Pickett turns out to be a really good quarterback. Uh, the defense pulls it together. T.J. Watt stays healthy. Uh, all this stuff happens. The Steelers, you know, they could sneak into the playoffs, but probably aren't a real threat. Well, T.J. Watt wasn't healthy, but the Steelers still nearly sneaked into the playoffs. They still nearly pulled that off. This is a Steelers team that is in a rebuild, reload, whatever you want to call it. We can call it a reloading. They're rebuilding here in Pittsburgh. They've got an incredibly young offense. And that young offense went out and outperformed the Browns offense. And let's talk about why that matters. The Cleveland Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski, is an offensive coach. This was his third season with the Browns. He had that a good 2020 season where they won the wild card game against the Steelers. Then the next year, Baker Mayfield gets injured. They go eight and nine. Stefanski wants to upgrade his quarterback. So they go out, they get Deshaun Watson. With Deshaun Watson, they decide they need a real number one wide receiver. They go out and they get Amari Cooper. They have Nick Chubb. They make David Njoku the highest paid tight end in the AFC North. They have all these high draft picks and, and talent on defense. Cleveland Brown fans are excited. Deshaun Watson's suspension comes down. And the story of the Cleveland Brown season is, can they hang around enough that when Deshaun Watson comes back, they can make the playoffs and challenge for a Super Bowl? That was the story, right? Can they do this? The Browns traded the 13th and 107th overall pick in the 2022 draft. They still 
are going to be without their 2023 first and third round picks, their 2024 first and fourth round picks. They also gave Deshaun Watson the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history. On the other side of that coin, in this game at least, on the other side of the field, Kenny Pickett cost the Steelers the 20th overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. The Browns spent the 13th overall pick, as well as two other first-round picks yet to come, and three mid-round picks, and the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history for their quarterback. Seven picks after that 13th pick, the Steelers got Kenny Pickett. Now, for this little exercise for a moment... I want you to ignore all of the off-field stuff, every single bit of it. Any questions about leadership? Ignore any of that. Ignore, you know, morality, leadership, any kind of any kind of that kind of stuff. Ignore all that trade stuff I just talked about. Ignore the contract. Ignore the quarterback's age. The comparative ages. I want you to think about this game. And tell me which quarterback saw the field better, made better decisions with the football, threw more accurate passes, threw better downfield. Every single one of those, I'm taking Kenny Pickett. The only area where Deshaun Watson looked better than Kenny Pickett was at abandoning the passing play and running it himself. Kenny Pickett was under a decent amount of pressure. Sean Watson was under pressure. I mean, like, I'm taking Kenny Pickett straight up. If you said to me today, for one game, for one season, would you take Deshaun Watson or Kenny Pickett? You know what? Kenny Pickett was better in that game. He outplayed Deshaun Watson. And every single part When you go into the cost paid for that player, when you go to the future expectations, all of that favors the Steelers. And when you consider the cost, when you look at what they gave up, when you look at the ideas behind it, this was a move for this year, for next year, for the very near future, mostly to try and win a Super Bowl before people like Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, now Amari Cooper's added to the mix. Players like that get older and the window starts to close. Well, Deshaun Watson, at the end of this first season with the Browns, got outplayed by Kenny Pickett. Which which wide receiver? was more impressive, Amari Cooper or George Pickens? I know which one had better stats. I know which one looks more impressive on highlights. Amari Cooper got open once, really wide open once, had a nice run after the catch. Did he do anything else? George Pickens made multiple really nice catches and another time would have had a big catch, but it was interfered with. And the Steelers got the ball on the one-yard line and finished it off anyways. I'm taking George Pickens over Amari Cooper. 
David Njoku, highest paid tight end in the AFC North. His contract he signed in the offseason. Would you take him or Pat Fryermuth? I mean, if we're just looking at this game, how about David Njoku or Connor Hayward? Would you think about this, right? This, this is a coach who is an offensive genius, mastermind, whatever. He's an offensive coach. They signed him for his offense, turned around the, the Browns in one season, got him to win a playoff game in his first year there. Goes all in on this team, builds it the team he wants, gets rid of Baker Mayfield, gets rid of Beckham Jr., gets rid of all the rebuilds it to be the team he wants it to be. They go seven and ten. With injured Baker Mayfield, they went eight and nine. I want to go, I want to go even farther into this. Uh they completely redid the quarterback room. None of the quarterbacks that played in 2021 played for the Browns in 2022. Completely different group. I'm going to give you the passer rating for each QB that's thrown passes for the Browns over the last two seasons. Case Keenum played a little bit in 2021, 91.3 passer rating. Nick Mullins played a little bit in 2021, 89.1 passer rating. Jacoby Brissett was the starter earlier in this season, 88.9 passer rating. Baker Mayfield in 2021, 83.1 passer rating. Deshaun Watson in 2022, 79.1 passer rating. Their worst quarterback by passer rating of the last two seasons when Baker Mayfield was hurt and the three backups that have played, the worst was the guy they mortgaged their future and gave the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history to, who also happens to have serious red flags off the field. That's the situation. These are two teams heading in different directions. The Browns went all in and flopped. We'll see how they do next year. Maybe there will be a huge turnaround and great things will happen. Who knows? But so far, their all in went bust. Steelers, 9-8. Browns, 7-10. Fourth place, Kevin Stefanski had the Browns finishing third in the division for two years, and he's back to the fourth. Back to fourth in the AFC North with his all-in team. I mean, I know we don't like Matt Canada here. We want better. But we wanted better when we had... Todd Haley. We wanted better when we had Bruce Arians. People now look back and say, oh man, if we had those guys. Yeah, if we had those guys, we wouldn't like them either. <laughs> we really wouldn't. Uh, but Kevin Stefanski. Talk about someone who's, in my opinion, has flopped worse. Who, 
whose team is would you consider more talented this season? Between the Browns and the Steelers, which team on paper should have a better offense? And yet, really, second half of the year, when the Steelers' offensive line started putting it together, Kenny Pickett started getting into a rhythm, Najee Harris got healthy, it's been the Steelers' offense has been better than the Browns with Deshaun Watson. Watson's had one good game, and really outside of that game, hasn't. Moving, moving forward in the next season, right? The Steelers obviously have a lot of things they want to do and some things they absolutely need to do. There are some holes that need filled. There are some players that need re-signed, positions that need refilled and upgraded. But the Steelers are young. The Steelers are young. The oldest offensive weapon to do much at all this season was Deontay Johnson at 26 years old. They're not going back to Mitchell Trubisky as a starter. He's 28, but they're not going back to him. This is a young team. There's a lot of grounds for them to be better next year. Look at the offensive line. The offensive line spent the entire training camp just learning the system. Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green were in a were in a competition and didn't get enough reps with the other offensive linemen. They spent the first part of the season just trying to get used to playing together. They head into this offseason having played together more than any other offensive line in the NFL this season. The most snaps played together of any offensive line this season. All the stuff they had to learn to learn this offense, to learn the the zone blocking schemes and all that, that's been done. They did it. That's out of the way. Learning how to play next to each other in a rebuilt line that saw like nobody playing the same next to the same people they played like, next to last year. That's over. That's out of the way. We we can look at this offensive line and say it needs to improve, but there's also seriously hope that it will improve. Quarterback, you got to have hope Kenny Pickett's going to be better next season. That lifts other positions, but also, also wide receiver. George Pickens is not a well-rounded, complete receiver at all this season. Yet you could probably build an offense around his back shoulder catches. You give him and Kenny Pickett an offseason to work together, which they didn't work much in the offseason together. They didn't work together in the preseason. They weren't playing together in practice. They didn't get a lot of work together until Kenny Pickett took over and started playing. This offseason, I bet you they're going to work a little better at that. I bet you they're going to do a little more, get on the same page, get their timings down, get that Wi-Fi going. I think that matchup's going to be special. I think that that pairing is going to be great. And... And this is huge, okay? Despite the fact that they're both rookies, they didn't play together all season, and there was obvious holes in 
both of their games as rookies. Pickett to Pickens. If you look at just throws, Kenny Pickett through to George Pickens, his passer rating is 119.5. 119.5. I went through over 100 of the top rookie receivers since 1992 when targets started getting tracked. And I found not a single receiver that had that was a rookie that had a rookie quarterback that they connected for 50 targets and had better than a 119.5 passer rating. Not one. Not one pairing hooked up for at least 50 targets and had a better passer rating on those targets than Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Not Andy Dalton to A.J. Green. Not Andrew Luck to T.Y. Hilton. There's plenty of examples. T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. Nope. Didn't happen. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Most likely, I'm saying with about 95% confidence, the best quarterback rating between a rookie quarterback and wide receiver that we've seen. I think that's a great place to build from. I think the Steelers have a lot of room to improve and a lot of hope that that improvement is not a pie-in-the-sky dream. This isn't this isn't you know twenty twenty sitting there saying well maybe what if what if uh what if the offensive line stays healthy next year we know they haven't but they could and what if uh what if what if because of that Ben Roethlisberger is you know finds is able to step into throws and finds his deep passing is able to get that all going has time to see you know do we're not we're not talking like that we're talking about young players building on what they've already shown. That's it. There is a lot of hope for the Steelers' offense. And I love looking at it in contrast to what the Browns tried to build. And I think it's going to be great next year when we see the Steelers' offense come out, building on what they've done at the end of this season, and we see the Browns' offense come out, trying to recover from what they've done this season. All right, that's the first half of the show. We're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the significance of this end of the season, the win, what it means going forward with the Steelers missing the playoffs and the season being over. All right, see you in a moment. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. As we transition from the season 
to the postseason, to the offseason. Make sure you're sticking here with us at Behind the Steel Curtains Family of Podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this, you can listen to all the other shows. Join us if you're available on weeknights for BTSC Radio, our live YouTube and Facebook shows. They show up the next day on the podcast channel, but it's always fun to get a live show. Come join us in the comments. We love seeing comments from our listeners. We always love the interaction in the comments on the YouTube videos and the Facebook videos. Make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Keep tabs on all the off-season updates, hirings, firings, who's doing what, who, like, all, all the things. Analysis of the season, all kinds of Steelers talk. Starting to look at free agents and the draft and who the Steelers want to re-sign and who they want to let go. What coaches should be fired and what coaches should be retained. All of that you'll find on our site, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, in our podcast. We're going to cover it all. We're going to be there with you every step of the way in the postseason and offseason, even with the Steelers officially done with their 2022 season. First half of the show, we talked about the Browns and Steelers heading in different directions. And I want to follow with the Steelers heading in a different direction, heading in a positive direction. With looking at that last game, but beyond that even, into the last run of games, and the Steelers come back to be a, a winning record. Being a 9-8 and eight team instead of an 8-9 and nine team or a 7-10 and 10 team. <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> so let's start with the winning season. Winning season significance. I think it matters. These they do these things matter. Do, does a single win or loss matter in a given year? Even if like if, if you're if you're a team that missed the playoffs by more than a game, would one win have mattered in your season? Well, not in the standings, they wouldn't have mattered. But every win still matters. You want to win. You play to win the game. Having a winning scene as it matters, and, I, and I'm going to say the reason I think it matters the most, especially this last game and the last run and the exact getting to 9-8, and eight, it's always better to learn and grow when you have flaws, when you're a team that needs to get better. It's always better to do that after a win. So, great Tomlinism. I agree with it. I've seen it in like youth sports. I've seen it in other places. I've seen it in college sports. It's always better and more effective to have to learn and grow when you're winning. No one is defensive after a win. People, I shouldn't say no one. People aren't as defensive after a win. After a loss, addressing the problems, it's more like, like, okay, you're saying I'm the reason we had a bad season. When it's a good season, it's more like, when it's a good, you know, when you have a, when you win a game, it's like okay, we won, but we could do better, guys. That's a different feeling. I think it's more effective. Another big thing is with the Steelers getting to nine and eight, Kenny Pickett's quarterback record seven and five instead of six and six. 
seven and five. Always good to have a winning record. Kenny Pickett moves into the next season with a lot of promise, a lot of growth needed. Uh, I watched uh, J.T. O'Sullivan on his YouTube channel, The QB School, did a video on Kenny Pickett's game against Baltimore. And he did a great job. The point of his video, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. QB School, uh, search for Kenny Pickett, QB School on YouTube, you'll find it. Uh, the, the great way he approached it was plays can be good in the term of look at the play this guy made and you can still look at it and say, but you, you could have done more in structure. This play could have been easier. You could have gotten the same result without as much having to make a great play, right? There's also just pure execution and making things simple and easy. Kenny Pickett doesn't do a good job of making things simple for himself. But when he gets outside of that structure, when that structure is missed, when he misses a, a defensive read or he misses an adjustment and he doesn't pick up, oh, that guy would be open over there. He gets outside of that structure, outside of the structure of the play and makes a play anyways. I've said this before. That's that's one aspect that kind of reminds me of a young Ben Roethlisberger. I I I don't mean to compare people, but it's traits that we're familiar with. If I if I just tried to describe to you the traits I'm talking about, it doesn't make as much sense. But if I give it to you in the terms of Ben Roethlisberger, that's someone you've seen. That's something you can look at and be like, yeah, I remember him throwing Terrell Suggs to the ground, running around, and then and finding Heinz Ward like eight seconds after the play started. Yeah, that's out of structure. Ben Roethlisberger was that guy. He was uncomfortable in structure, didn't read defenses quickly at first, but he made plays outside of structure. And when he learned to take the plays that he was given, when he learned to work inside that structure, he retained that playmaking and became a great quarterback. He did that mostly. That development was under Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, and I'm not, I'm not saying Mike Tomlin is the reason Ben Roethlisberger became a great quarterback. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is he was there for the process. The Roonies and Mike Tomlin were there for that process. And I think they trust him to do that process a second time, to be involved in that kind of a process where we take a quarterback who's a little less comfortable in structure but can make plays outside of structure and turn him into a well-rounded quarterback who can operate inside of the play structure and also make plays either inside of that structure or outside of it. If the play breaks down or is just covered, he can still make plays. That's your goal. And if you're questioning that, man, uh, one of my favorite things I saw recently, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, in one of his videos he, he does in his podcasting thing, he was with... Oh my gosh, was it Charlie Batch? And Charlie Batch was talking about how Bruce Arians used to talk to Charlie and have Charlie talk to Ben Roethlisberger. And like, so they would have a microphone and Bruce Arians would shut off the feed to Ben Roethlisberger and say things to Charlie Batch and then switch Mark Ben Roethlisberger's feedback on and say something a little different. And Ben Roethlisberger talked about it one time. He forgot to, to click it. 
And he's like, and Bruce Arians, and he has this, this great moment. He's telling, and, and he's like, Bruce Arians is like, I don't know what he's doing out there. What the heck does he think? He doesn't know what he's doing. And then clicks over and, and thinks he's turned, added Ben Roethlisberger to part of the conversation that he thought he wasn't in. And says, great job, Ben. Keep doing what you're doing. That is, to me, Ben Roethlisberger in a nutshell. And that, that frustration that Ben Roethlisberger didn't do things the way the offense was designed he just did them in the way that worked for him and it would still work. Uh, mentioned JT O'Sullivan again. He did a video on Ben Roethlisberger. One of his comments was Ben Roethlisberger makes the wrong throws, right? Like, like you should be reading like here and then to that throw. And he, he reads a throw that is covered and just makes a throw. Like th- that route is covered. You should check off to this other route. Ben Roethlisberger is like, no, but I can beat that coverage and just m- takes that throw. Doesn't do what he's supposed to do, but he makes the play anyways. You know, that that was Ben Roethlisberger. I'm kind of getting off topic here because I love I love talking about this. I love that aspect of that dynamic of his personality and, and his his him as a player. Uh, and I think we have a bit of that with Kenny Pickett. That's my point. And that's going to take some time for Kenny Pickett to really fit into a, a passing structure well like that. It's going to take a bit of time. And that's a huge area for growth. If you remember the growth in the Steelers' offense from before Ben Roethlisberger learned to really read offenses and throw things in structure, throw passes in structure, on time, in rhythm, and what Ben Roethlisberger became when he had Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant and they are just moving the ball on literally any defense. Those games where they put 300 yards and multiple touchdowns on the no-fly zone in Denver, the only team to do it, and they did it twice. The only team in like four seasons, no one but the Steelers, threw for 300 yards on that defense, and they did it twice. Kenny Pickett has room for big-time growth. Again, not Ben Roethlisberger, right? Not the same level, smaller scale. Smaller scale. He doesn't have the the freakish natural physical ability that Ben Roethlisberger had to play quarterback. Pickett doesn't have that. He's not lacking. He's not limited. He's just not Ben, right? He's not that kind of player. He's not a Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, or Pat Mahomes. He's not one of them. But there is so much room for improvement there. And I think it really matters going into this offseason having had the success looking farther, looking at like his, his numbers with George Pickens that we talked about and the wins they got. I think that bodes well for this off season and the work that you're going to see that we're going to want George Pickens to put in to getting more consistent in his route running. A lot of in-structure routes are basically just the receiver and quarterback need to know when the ball needs to be at what point. Like, how long after the snap does the ball need to be at this exact point? Which means the receiver has to get to that exact point at the right time, having defeated the coverage. That takes a little time to learn. That takes a little time to learn for both the receiver and the quarterback. And yet, 
those two are having success when neither of them are really on that page together. So much room for growth there. So much excitement. With that, you've got that very stable offensive line coming in and with the chance to improve. I Like, okay, when the Steelers were losing horribly, when the offense was terrible, they're throwing picks left and right. The run game goes nowhere. You know, Nobody was happy on the offense. They started picking at things. They started complaining about things. Little gripes were being mentioned. All this stuff. They weren't happy. If we had ended the season like that, we'd be going to this offseason with very frustrated players. Questioning, do I even want to be here? Do I want to be part of this offense? Do I want to learn the stuff this offense is teaching me when... This offense stinks. Are we? Gonna, can we even have success in it? We haven't had success in this offense yet. Well, they've had success in the offense now. Especially when you look at per possession numbers and not totals. The Steelers successfully drove down the number of possessions that occurred in each game and ended the season. Since the bye week, they had the fewest defensive plays per game of any team in the NFL. The fewest. That does reduce the number of offensive plays, but not nearly as much as it did the number of defensive plays. They did it by having long drives. Taking up time, reducing the number of times the defense had to go out there. I talk about that in my Snap Counts article. If you're you listening to this right now, it should be out on the website, out on behindthesteelcurtain.com. It's coming out. I'm recording this on Monday, and, and it's coming out today, like every Monday. I talk about that. I talk about that from the defensive perspective of Cameron Hayward uh, playing fewer snaps in these last four games than he did in earlier, you know, early parts of the season while playing significantly more in percentage of snaps. Fewer overall total snaps, higher percentage. In fact, my, my favorite way of looking at it is if you look at the snaps that Cameron Hayward wasn't on the field on defense, right? You take four of the earlier games. I, I skipped week one because week one was a crazy anomaly. It would make the numbers skewed really to support my argument a lot, but it was it's it's a 100-snap defensive game. That's incredibly rare. Cam, uh, Cameron Hayward played his uh, season high for total snaps in that game. It was under 60% of the game. He played 57 snaps, 57% of the game, right? That's the most snaps he played. That's one of the lowest percentages he played. But you take the next four games, which are more reasonable in snap numbers and more, you know, like the rest of the, the early season, and you compare them to the last four games of this season. Cam Hayward was off the field. Cam Hayward was missing on defense 59% less than he was earlier in the season. When you reduce the number of plays Cam Hayward was not on the field by 59%, while at the same time reducing his overall workload, he played fewer snaps, and yet the amount of snaps he was off the field was reduced by 59%. That's how you help your defense. And look how the defense finished these last weeks. You look at how much of this run was the defense making plays late in the game. That's because it was a joint effort. It's a team sport. 
The offense helps the defense. The defense helps the offense. And when you're both helping each other, you win games. Amazing how that works. When the defense makes it easier for the offense and the offense makes it easier for the defense, wow, you win more. Who would have thought? In this winning streak, we've seen a lot of growth, especially from the offense. I know this this week's mostly about the offense because that's where the youth is. That's where the problems were early. And that's those problems honestly became a big strength of this team. The offense was a huge problem early in the season. The offense was a good strength late in the season. That's that's what you want to see. You want to see that kind of turnaround. And the key is for me, heading into this offseason, the Steelers are currently pretty healthy. We got good news on Pat Fireman's knee. It's just a sprain, not going to need surgery or anything. They're going to have a chance to, to work on their conditioning, to work on their, uh, their fitness in terms of avoiding future injuries. That's a thing you can do when you're healthy. You can do exercises and do training to avoid future injury. They're going to be able to focus on the offense, focus on the development of their skills, becoming more well-rounded. George Pickens and Kenny Pickett getting on the same page. Working on George Pickens going to some of these you know, footwork and route running gurus and, and getting better and more consistent at his route running so that he's just open more often, so that the Steelers put him on the field for more snaps. So he's making more of those ridiculous catches and the offense is going to just be better from it. Like this is what we want and the morale entering the offseason is so much better when you're 9 and 8 and you seriously missed the playoffs by any number of multiple games a single score in any number of games. And you go into the offseason knowing I could be that difference. George Pickens walks into this offense offseason saying, I could be the difference. And us making the playoffs or not. He can see with his connection with Kenny Pickett the chance to really be a star in this league. Those back shoulder throws are already deadly. I, I was I was thinking about this. I, I'm trying to remember a wide receivers in NFL history that were best known for those back shoulder throws. I think George Pickens is already pretty high on that list. I mean, you've got guys like, was it, I think it was Michael Irvin is the guy I'm thinking of, was fantastic. Adam. Kenny Pickett is, all right, Kenny Pickett throwing to George Pickens. They're already getting on that level as rookies, man. Those connections on those plays are great. As they learn to do them better, execute them better, they learn the timing and learn each other better, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. I, I'm ending this season with a lot of optimism because we're looking at the Steelers and there's so much room for growth and there's reason to have hope that it will occur. I'm not guaranteeing it will occur. I can't tell the future. But there is more realistic hope that that improvement will be realized than we've had in the past. And that matters. That matters a lot. 
That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts on Behind the Steel Curtain's family of podcasts. Make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your off-season, postseason, and off-season content on your Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, thank you for listening. Have a great week. And let's go Steelers. Steelers.